Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Amazing. I'm always curious what they come up with. And I'm always surprised, so what a great, great job. Hey, welcome to week three of Mixtape. And uh, this morning's topic is this, let's talk about sex. So if it's your first time here, welcome. <laughs> Glad you're here. At least we're not talking about money, all right? So you're good. Uh, welcome. It's going to be uh, a morning. And as we jump into this and I start sweating, let me just um, set maybe a little bit of the tone in the context of what we're going to talk about uh, today. As we talk about this idea of God's design for sex in the context of our lives, reminded this, that the instruction that we get is from a father speaking to his children, right? The instruction that we get is from a father who wants the best for his children and wants them to avoid the things that will bring them harm in their lives. And what makes the word and the truth of God's word on this area of sex so significant is God is the creator of these things. God is the creator of our bodies. God is the creator of pleasure. God was the creator of sex. And so long before Dr. Ruth or Dr. Phil, right, God was the expert on these things. And so the things that he shares with us out of his word today, I think are so significant because God so desires for you to have the marriage you've always wanted and the life you've always dreamed of in this area. But it comes out of this idea and it comes out of the spirit of, of a father for his children. Now, for me, I, I, love my, I love my children. I love my two boys and it's such a powerful way. And I want for them to experience their preferred future in their lives at, at some point. And in order to help them experience that, right, I, I'm gonna instruct them with the long-term payoff in mind because there are things that I know that they may intellectually know, but they don't know within their hearts because they have not experienced it. And so I'm going to begin to share with them those things because I know what this long-term preferred future really looks like. So let me give you one example, all right? Retirement. Uh, financial retirement and things kind of represented to what I have here. And... Um, this is the next season of my life coming up. I see more and more, and I want to share with them about this preferred future on how they can experience this. Now, what makes this hard for my boys to understand at this point is they don't fully understand. They think, listen, when you turn 65 and you're retired, like you're almost dead, right? I mean, you're just hanging on at these last moments. I mean, it's the years you're counting them down. What they don't realize as I'm getting older and you realize, listen, Life is just beginning in some of these things. I mean, you, your spirit is still alive and you feel young. Your knees may tell you you're old, but retirement is a wonderful experience in time of life. You get to get up and not everybody tells you what you're going to do with your day. You go to McDonald's and you get free discounted coffee, right? Golf three times a week. I mean, this is an amazing season of life. And then at some point you have these wonderful thing called grandchildren, right? Who maybe spread at different parts all around the country and you get to go visit and spoil them. And then you get to leave. I mean, this is an amazing time of life. And if you're gonna experience this to the fullest, I say to my children, listen, what you have to understand in order to experience this kind of retirement, and this kind of retirement is gonna come with what? It's gonna come with the financial freedom to be able to do these things. If you're gonna experience this, 
I got to tell you about a little thing called delayed gratification. Because the decisions that you make when you're young have great impact on your ability to experience this in its fullest. So we think about this idea of retirement, right? I share this, listen, like you're in your 20s. If you can get this, if you can put a little bit of money away into your retirement when you're young, there's this wonderful thing called compound interest. And it's gonna grow over a period of time. And if you can stay disciplined in this, when you get to this season of life, you're gonna be able to get to enjoy things like you never thought before. Now, when I share that, you're all like, wow, that's brilliant fatherly advice. You know, intellectually, we know this. And we're like, I could do that. Here's the challenge, right? When we're at this point, there's these things that pull us for the enjoyment of the moment. I don't want to put, I'd like to get a new car. I don't want to put aside that kind of money, right? And I got this outfit that I really want to get. And so we we begin to, to sacrifice some of this. And what we don't realize, right, is decisions that made here have compound impact over here a little bit later on in life. And ultimately, they have impact into what's happening here long term. But dad, you don't understand, man. Everybody's getting these new things. Everybody's enjoying. Can I just enjoy the pleasures that you can? But you got to understand there's compound impact later on, right? And for some, it's a little bit this. Maybe you started, you started off pretty well and disciplined, right? But then a little bit later in life, you just get tired of the struggle, tired of saying no to these things and putting money away. And so, listen, look, I deserve it after a period of time. And I'm just tired. And look, what you're talking about, so old-fashioned. We'll make up for it later on. It's fine. But we forget we even make decisions later on in life. What that has impact into some of our options and some of the things that we can experience later on in life as we go. And we compromise maybe these little habits that we had formed here. We compromise them later. And all of a sudden, when the impulsive decisions, we find ourselves there. Now, don't miss this point, this silly little illustration. You still have a future. It's significant, right? I, I think in the lives of, of, my, of my children, right? They're still my boys, and I love them. Even if they ignore some of my instruction, even if they uh, distort some of my teachings, or even if they pervert what I've shared with them, listen, at the end of the day, I, I, I still love them, and they're still my children, and that part has never changed. They possess my last name and they are mine and I love that. And my disappointment only comes in that I wanted more for them, right? And I wanted more from them. See, the beauty of this idea of investing, what we're gonna be talking about in different ways is simply this, that it's not a one-time decision, right? You can't just make the decision here and it carries you all. It's this daily choice and the daily challenge that we have. And the great part about investing is this, it's never too late to start investing. So if you didn't do it really well in your 20s, then the beauty is, listen, in your 30s and 40s, you can begin to invest. And when you begin to invest at these times, the compound interest still manages to pay off and you still begin to enjoy more of the things that you always desired at this stage and at this point. It's never too late, whether you're 30s or 40s or 50s. Every right choice you make at this point begins to have residual impact later on at this point as we go. But all of those things, right, are based out of this idea of saying, as a father to his children, man, I love you. I want what's best for you. I want you to be able to experience this to the fullest that it was intended. And it's only gonna come, though, through delayed gratification and decisions 
over time that kind of gets you there. I hope maybe you're slightly beginning to connect some of the dots and we'll flesh that out a little bit more as we go on today. But I want you to know that everything I share with you today from God's word comes from your heavenly father who has a father's heart for you and wants what's best for you. And I just wrote it this way. Your heavenly father is not trying to steal your fun. He's trying to protect your heart. So what I share, can I encourage you to just receive it in that way? Let me just say this before I jump in also. As we talk about this issue, can I encourage you today to just pay special note to what's going on in your heart, right? Pay special note to the emotions, the feelings that are rising up, the memories that come there. All those things are so significant because as we talk about this area of sex, the reality, it's not just physical, right? It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's all wrapped up into this. And so there are so many different triggers that trigger different things in our hearts and our minds during the things that we're going to talk about today. So as today, as we talk about this, any emotions do rise up in your heart? Two quick little things. Can I remind you? Listen, shame never comes from God. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction does not say, uh, the difference between that idea of shame and conviction is, is this. It's the difference between feeling about who I am versus what I have done. Do you see the difference there? Shame is never from God and never from your, your, your father and those things. So I just say today, as we jump into this, right? No scarlet letters. We're just broken people trying to experience the redemptive love and grace of God in our lives and today and specifically in the area of our sexuality, all right? So today, whoo, big breath. Let me give you the talk your parents never gave you or if you're like me, did a terrible job with my children when I was trying to give them this three and a half minute talk so I could check it off the list and tell my wife I did it <laughs> and James Dobson would be proud of me, all right? So here we go, big thought for today. Sex was God's idea and it's good. Sex was God's idea and it's good. Let me just quick give you a little from the very beginning how God created. Three things that we learn about God's design for sex, right? Number one was procreation. Starting way back, Genesis chapter one, verse 28, right? And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God created us, same species, yet different genders, to get this job done. Now think about this. God could have created many different ways for us to produce offspring. Could have been a wide range of things we see in the animal kingdom. Lots of ranges, a lot of different ways. But he chose this physical act of sex to do it. And he made it so intimate that as humans, we are one of the few, if not the only species who procreates face to face. All the different ways God could have done that, but an intimacy there. So he did it for procreation. Number two, he did it for partnership, right? Genesis chapter two, a little later, verse 24 and 25 says it this way. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife, both naked, were not ashamed. Two individuals, right? One entity that he says, let me just remind you, this idea of partnership. It, it's not the ceremony, right? 
It's not the couple's dance. It's not even the license that we sign at the end of the thing. It's the consummation of that marriage through the physical act of sex that makes us one flesh. And in that, our partnership, it strengthens, as God's design, it strengthens our relationship through that physical act. Third thing, the Bible says, it's for pleasure. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love. Pleasure. Now, really, that shouldn't surprise us, right? I mean, because God created pleasure. God created our bodies and he's merged these two things together for this amazing thing that he created. But that's why (laughs) this idea of here, the the delayed gratification that builds into our preferred future, right? This is why an area of our sexuality, it's so difficult because there's pleasure connected with it, right? If it wasn't pleasurable, there would be no temptation. I mean, nobody's going to the dentist early because they're like, man, I just, I just like to go to get in the chair. No, no, there's no pleasure, there's no joy, so there's no motivation for that, right? But here's what we remind him. The third reason, God created us uniquely in the context of, the, of a marriage relationship to be able to experience the kind of pleasure that he built us to, to do. Now, everything we know, if you've been around and you, and you know the world, right? Everything that God has created for good the enemy wants to pervert and our sin nature wants to justify, right? These are the two things that always work against what God has for us. So the enemy seeded this simple little lie into our minds and our sin nature quickly justified this lie because we like it and the lie is simply this. It's not a big deal. Sex is just physical. It's just a physical thing. Why are we making such a big deal about it? And we begin to justify it. And here's what's amazing, right? This is not new to 20th century. It's 55 AD, right? In a town called Corinth. And this new thing called the church is established. And it's established in the middle of this town called Corinth. And in the town Corinth at that time, there was a temple to Aphrodite, as you may be familiar with it. Uh, Over a thousand temple prostitutes that were there at the temple. And so people within the city, both male and female, would come and they would have relations there at the temple as part of this spiritual ritualistic thing. And it was no big deal, right? It's simply a physical act. There's no mutual, there's no emotional connection that's happening here, right? In fact, it's mutually advantageous. We're paying for it. We're helping the community. We're we're funding all these kind of things, right? Two consenting adults, no harm, no foul. Go to the temple on Friday. Have my pleasures taken care of. Come to church on Sunday. It's no big deal. There's no disconnection between loving God and loving whoever makes me feel good in that moment. 55 A.D., and the Apostle Paul walks into that context and says, eh, we need a time out here. Uh, we got to do a mixtape series. Uh, I need to help you understand this a little bit, not so fast, because he says to this new church that's starting, I want to remind you, listen, that sex is God-given, but it is also God-governed. 
There's a thing that connects it with this. And so if you got your Bibles, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, see what the Apostle Paul says. If you got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. Uh, there's also any extra things, a couple things I'm gonna make reference to, encourage you to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right? This is the context. New church, everybody's doing it. This is cultural, it's no big deal. And Paul says it actually is. He says this starting in verse 12. He says, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. And the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise up his, his, his power. Do you not know that your bodies, that you are members of Christ? Shall I then take a member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know what he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. We read that earlier in Genesis. But he also joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. You probably maybe have heard, if you've been around church, some of those verses in different contexts, but that's really the context that's there. There's so much in that little section. But let me just give a little distinction for sake of our time. Go back to verse 18. It simply says this. Flee from sexual immorality... Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person, here's the key, sins against his own body. See, here's what Paul is combating. It's this idea of, right, right it's no big deal. Nobody's hurt. Nobody's getting hurt. It, it doesn't affect anybody. I want to remind you, your heavenly father who created you says, listen, that's a lie from the pit. Somebody's getting hurt. You you're getting hurt in the midst of the, uh, of the process. And it's that lie that we fall into, and you've heard it and I hear it. It's the justification for like why I engage in porn, right? It, it's not a big deal. It's this personal thing. Nobody's getting hurt. It's just about me. What's the big deal? Listen, I, I can share with you story after story of couples who come in and this thing that wasn't hurting anybody in their youth followed them all the way into their married relationships and now it's having significant impact. See, the challenge with porn, it, it doesn't just affect you, it affects others. And if you, in the context of your marriage, it affects that. It, even though it's this, look, it's this private struggle that you think is only dealing with you, the challenge is this, and we see it in both men and women, right? The challenge in that, the, the, the issue of porn in the context even of a marriage relationship is that it's creating insecurity in your relationships, right? It's destroying trust with the secrets that you have to do behind someone's back and it's ultimately killing your intimacy. It doesn't just affect you. It's not just a personal thing. It has ripples. But here's the other part, whether you're single or married. The challenge of porn is that it steals your pleasure. Here's what I mean by that. It creates in you a, a false reality, right? Photoshopped, enhanced imagery 
begins to distort what real beauty is and your view of what beauty is. And over time, the physiology, what's happening in your brain as you view these images over and over, it begins to reprogram the very elements of your mind that you begin to see things differently, especially in this area of sexuality. And it steals your ability to experience pleasure in the reality because you're experiencing it in this virtual world that's there. And it's not just the hard stuff, right? The challenge, it's even soft things that we do. If you watch sexually charged TikToks over and over every day and every morning, every night, here's the problem. You begin to watch those things and those images and you can't figure out why your spouse seems really dull and uninteresting compared to what I'm watching here over and over. And your spouse is like, well, yeah, I'm up uh, making breakfast. Uh, ain't too much exciting about making breakfast, but we're doing this thing. You see what I mean? It creates a false narrative of what it all is. And reality becomes replaced with a virtual, unrealistic thing. And the challenge is it just begins to reprogram your brain on how you view what real beauty is in our sexuality. Singles, oh, this is so hard. For singles, the, the, challenge, and I, the challenge is when you feed your brain with sexually explicit images, even lyrics and music or suggestive videos, listen, you take this incredibly difficult calling to be sexually pure and you almost make it impossible for yourself, right? You're feeding this thing. See, God didn't design you to start the engine and leave the car in the garage, some of you are wearing your brakes out. You know what I'm saying? The challenge is this, right? You're feeding yourself something that God has designed to move you in a progression and the challenge, and it becomes so difficult. And so my encouragement is just for all of us is to watch what we're intaking. Watch how we're feeding our minds and our, and our hearts for those things. See, sex in the context of marriage really works for you. But in the context outside of marriage, sex really works against you. Let me give you two examples, two things we find. Sex does two things. Sex binds and sex blinds. Let me tell you a little bit about those. See, God has created us, right, with lots of hormones in different ways, all right? And one of those amazing hormones that God has given us is oxytocin, and it's known as the bonding chemical. It's an amazing thing. Women have surges of this oxytocin in three significant life events. Any guess what these three events would be that create bonding in the heart of a woman? Childbirth, the most amazing thing. Incredible ladies, I don't know how, it scares me to death every time. I'm just like, how are you doing this? It's amazing. And then we wanna do this again. Why? Oxytocin bonds in this moment. Number two, breastfeeding. This moment when a mother bonds with her child, hormones grow, and the third one is sex. Bonds together in such a powerful way. Now men don't have as many hormones or triggers as women do, but they have one trigger that brings their oxytocin levels to the same level, this is amazing how God created, to the same level of a woman. Any guess what that event is? It's not child rearing. Right? Uh, you know what it is that goes. It's incredible. So here's what I want to remind you. That, our, that sex is not just a physical act. 
Because God created within our very being, it erupts emotions, spiritually, all these things there, and it bonds you together. It's kind of like this. Listen, I always say, you know, it's the example of duct tape. And the wonderful thing, the way God has created it is when you have sex, these oxytocins in your brain kick off. There's a bonding thing and you stick. And everything gets pulled off. Yeah, it's hard. It hurts. The challenge is when you take that same bonding that God has created and you begin to apply it to different people in different applications, what happens? All of a sudden, the bonding nature of what it does becomes compromised in such a way. But God created it that in that moment that that would bond us in such a powerful way. And if we're not careful, we distort and compromise those things. So sex binds. Here's the other thing amazing about sex. Sex blinds. It it blinds us. Have you ever heard of beer goggles? Right? I mean, you haven't, but you know of a friend that might have, right? Uh, She's a four at the start of the night. And after a few beers and by the end, she's a 10. Why we call that beer goggles that it distorts. Um, Can I just remind you, there's also sex goggles, right? Uh, The way God has designed it. It, I always say when you're married, listen, before you're married, go into marriage with your eyes wide open. And after you're married, close them about halfway. You know, that's kind of the idea. And uh, the sex goggles are, it's a reality of things. We know it, it eases relational tensions. It helps us overlook minor offenses. And it just blinds us sometimes from the pettiness in our relationships. That's how God created it. So it binds and it blinds. But outside of Marriage, what works for us in the context of marriage works against us outside of this, on this area of a blinds. Listen, when you are dating somebody, to my dating folks, what I, can I just say I love y'all? I love you enough to share some, some truth with you, okay? Hopefully in grace. When you are in a dating relationship and you're trying to figure out if this person is the one for you, sex is a terrible terrible, as Barclay would say, way, a foundation to build that relationship. David Lantini says it this way, you can't objectively judge compatibility with someone that you are sleeping with, right? Because it distorts it. You're not seeing it straight. Why? Because that's not how God created it in that context. It's a terrible foundation. That's why, listen, that's why living together to try to figure out if we are compatible it's a terrible idea, right? If you don't believe me, take the physical aspect out of your relationship for three months. And you will see that relationship with greater clarity than you do now. Because God designed it in the context of that, that sex would muddy those things. If you take that out of that relationship, it helps you to know this, right? If the foundation is built like on sex from day one, listen, you pull that out and you'll be convinced and sure that that person loves you for you and not just what you will do for them as we go. But pastor, I, loved, I knew you were gonna say that, but that's so old fashioned. And listen, I wanna make sure that we're sexually compatible. How will we know this in the absence of it, right? Can I just say, just trust me, like you're compatible, I mean, the biology works. Uh, I I believe in you. You'll figure this out someday as you go. You're not even gonna need an Ikea, you know, 360-page manual to figure this thing out. You're gonna, it's pretty straightforward, right? Can can we be honest? 
the root of the question is not, are we compatible? <laughs> the root of the question is much more selfish. Does this person meet my needs and my wants? And do they satisfy me to the level that I feel? I mean, that's the selfishness of the question. So let me just encourage you. It's not about compatibility as we go. The Apostle Paul says, listen, not only does sex in the context of marriage strengthen some things, but here's another powerful thing. He goes on to tell his married couples that sex in the context of marriage protects your spouse. Go on a little farther. Chapter 7, same book of 1 Corinthians, same context, things that are happening, right? He says this, now concerning the matter about which you wrote, it is, so some people have asked Paul the question, our single guy, you know, Paul, we'd like some advice on sexuality and marriage. And Paul's like, really? So here he goes. Uh, so he says, now concerning these matters, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Right? Two big takeaways. Lots of thoughts here. Paul's teaching. Number one is this. You hear it over and over. It's this idea of mutual submission to one another. Husbands, right? Give yourselves to your wives. Wives, give yourselves to your husbands. Your body is a gift not to be withheld and not to be a tool of manipulation. Mutual submission, mutual respect. And then Paul says, the second little part, Paul says sex protects your spouse from temptation, right? Married or single, whether you are nine or 99, we are all fighting for sexual purity. It doesn't go away when you get older. It doesn't go away just when you're married. We all battle for this, whether single or married, every day along these things. And so Paul says, listen, one of the beauties of marriage is that when you give yourself to your spouse, you're protecting them from sexual impurity. So he says, keep your spouse interested, keep your spouse engaged, that helps them in, in that area, right? Don't twist this now, all right? Paul's not saying, listen, if your spouse does not respond to you in the correct way, then you have license to go and do whatever you want because they should have been. No, that's not what Paul's saying. Don't twist it that way, right? Everybody's accountable for their own behavior regardless of their spouse's choices. But he's saying the beauty of a healthy, God-centered marriage is when you express yourselves and give yourselves to one another, it actually is a protection that comes. It's a protection there. There's a lot more to be said on that, and I will probably context of here, not the place to share all of those things. So let me encourage you a couple things. Uh, we just launched last week a podcast uh, that you can see in your, in your sermon notes on lexcity.info. And next week, this, uh, this week, we're going to have a little more conversation around this area and um, maybe a format we can do that on. But I would like to continue to talk and address the things that are relevant to you. So you'll see on lexcity.info, there's a little place uh, that you can submit questions and uh, we would love to... Uh, 
be able to talk about those uh, this next week. And the podcast is called Off the Records. You'll see it there, but a great place to be able to do that as we go. So Paul says two things that come, right? It protects, it binds, it blinds, and the beauty of how God has created us in our relationship together. So here's the thought for us today, right? We all have a story uh, to share. And we all have a story that we're telling with our lives when it comes to this area of our sexuality. So the question really for you today is this, is do you like the story that you're telling? If not, the, the great news is it, it's kind of like this concept of investing, right? <laughs> it's never too late to start. And every day you start makes an input and impact into your preferred future that we go. So today's choices, listen, really do impact tomorrow's outcome. So what's your story? If you're single, I think every married couple in here would say to you, like, this is the greatest story to be able to share. That I valued my sexuality and I saw it as a gift and I cherished it and I stewarded it. And on that amazing wedding day, I was able to present that gift. I mean, that's the greatest story that protects us from some of the pain and the hurt that comes along with that. But it's not the only story. And that's the encouraging thing for us, right? There's other great stories. Great story could be in 2022 in a series called Mixtape. God laid on my heart that I was not treating my sexuality to the level that I needed to with the integrity that I did. And so I made that commitment on that day, from that day forward, to make some choices to save myself for a person I don't even know who they are yet, but a great story is someday to be able to share with them, listen, I made some really hard choices because I was thinking of you before I even knew you. I'm so glad to be able to do this life together. Some of you have, you've got the date saved, right? So why bother to change? We know we've got this date, we're gonna do this thing together. Listen, can I just encourage you and remind you that every day that you can make a decision, even now, between now and that date, and together you make those decisions and those commitments, it strengthens your relationship walking into that date and in that moment. It's a wonderful story to be able to tell. For some of you, the story it, it may be this great story. In 2022, I, I decided to humbly and with courage bring the light what I've been hiding in the darkness and the secrets that I've been keeping. So I joined a recovery group or I, I went to see a counselor. But in 2022, I decided I'm going to take control of my sexuality and my mind and my hearts and my desires and I'm gonna give it to the Lord. What an amazing story to be able to share. Or it could just be, listen, I'm in a marriage and it's good. I just want it to be better. And we're kind of got some hangups when we come. This is the hardest thing to talk about sometimes as couples and we have some hangups and I just, I want to get by it. And maybe 2022 is this day that you tell a story of, listen, we just had the courage because it matters so much 
we went and talked with somebody. Listen, you may say, oh, Pastor, listen, we went to a counselor and it wasn't very good. Listen, we've all been to bad fast food places and we still lead out, right? Uh, you just need to keep looking. Tammy and I, the first counselor we ever went to was not a great experience. A few years later, found somebody that transformed our lives and our marriage, right? So just have the courage to step out and say, it's good. I just want it to be all that it can be. And sometimes finding some help to be able to do that. Your heavenly father, listen, he loves you. Your heavenly father wants what's best for you. And he gives you commands about sex, listen, not to steal your joy, not to steal your fun, but he gives you commands about sex because he wants to protect your heart. Because your heavenly father knows the end game. <laughs> and he knows this is so greatly impacted by this. And if you wanna have all that you desire in this, then the way to get there is to have delayed gratifications and really challenging decisions at this point because it feeds into that. There's no shame. It's just conviction what God wants and has for your heart. So today, as we close out our time, I, I wanna just do this. I wanna just take a few moments and just give you some time and some space to think about your story. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. And I just wanna invite you to do this. You can stay in your seat, stay seated. You wanna stand and sing, you can. Wanna come to the altar, you can. When the music starts, our prayer team's gonna come. They're gonna be down here. But I just wanna give you some moments because you've got a story and it's a story worth telling. But the key is that we give the Lord our heart in those areas. So let me pray. And today I just wanna pray over you uh, just a prayer of a young person who this was a struggle for them in their lives and they had a moment they said, God, make this my prayer. And so I pray it over to you as your prayer. And then we'll sing. And then you just do what the Lord lays on your heart. Let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, you created me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I'm sinful by nature and unworthy of you and your grace. Yet you love me and you chose me anyway. Forgive me, God, and rid me of the immorality that works within me. Purify my spirit and make me worthy of you. God, I want to be made new in you. So I repent, I repent of my transgressions, both intentional and unintentional. Cleanse my spirits, God, as only you can. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.